BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Phase one is over. The real season begins now. I'm pod like a raven. going to go for a little Lord of the Rings intro there, because uh, obviously I rewatched those movies this winter, uh, if you catch the parallel between my intro there and the battle for Helm's Deep being over. I'm Antonio Barbera, and I'm talking Lord of the Rings because the Ravens are in the quietest period of their season, because they're the one seed, and they don't have to worry about week one of the postseason. So, I'm going bring in my co-host as we talk about a little bit of Ravens news, uh, a game that I guess they played. Uh, and then let's look at the NFL playoffs ahead. Tim Horsey, first of all. Tim, um, I know you and I, maybe more than Jace, were frustrated with the Ravens game as it was going, even though it didn't matter. Um, we didn't quite get every uh, thing ticked off the list, I think, that we that we would have wanted, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Uh, how, did you end up getting through that game uh, and surviving with the optimism of being the one seed? Yeah, I mean... I was pissed in the moment, but it was also like, oh, it's okay, Huntley. Like, you're, like, patting him on the head. Like, it's all right. You're trying your best there. Um, but just the whole the, – all the Steelers fans that had to go into that toilet water of a game, and they it was like, oh, the Steelers have taken over because no Ravens fans needed to be there because we're better than you and we know it. Like, Globo Jim, like I said last week. Um in the moment, it was annoying because obviously the commentators got to g everything up like it's a big game. It obviously meant something for the Steelers. T.J. Watt doing his like practice hero BS, and then you know ends up getting un- unfortunately injured for him as well. Uh, yeah, all of it in the moment was just annoying, and the fact that we had like I feel like we just never beat the Steelers anymore. All of it just combined into one big stew of pissed off. But but afterwards. I got back to playing Elden Ring and I wasn't bothered. Like it was just, it just, it was just completely fine. Um, and yeah, now we're moving on to another week where we don't have a Ravens game because there were, wasn't one last week that didn't there count. Was not. That that just didn't count. 
obviously nothing this week with the with the bye and yeah plenty of time to stress myself out about uh rest first rust so that should be fun and jace evans jace how what was your uh what was your viewing experience stress or not caring uh no I, yeah i pretty much did not care <laughs> kind of entering this game and it, i it became very clear i think to me early on when you know the ravens come out of the gate three and out three and out three plays and a fumble you're like all right well <laughs> this might be a 3-0 final with the way the weather was and stuff so i wasn't real real concerned and and i i'm riding high this week you know when we've talked about this in the past but when we were Remove like the daily, uh, just the game day stress of the Ravens. Uh, I'm able to think clearly about this team, the big picture. See, you have the one seed. What a fantastic season. This team's as good pretty much as the Ravens have ever fielded, certainly in the last, you know, 10 years. It's their best team. I can think all those things. I'll start panicking uh, probably next Monday night as the uh, wild card round uh, draws to a close. But uh, yeah, for now, I'm doing great. The game was weird. It was dumb. I, I didn't get too worked up about it one way or the other. The only thing I will say that annoys me slightly is, you know, you go on Twitter and you see Steelers fans be say like, mm-hmm. oh, well, we swept the Ravens and actually we're five and one in the division. So are we really the AFC North champs? Like the, that stuff, I just have to close Twitter and ignore <laughs> that. That's, that's what drives me up a wall. So, uh, but yeah, as for the game itself, very, very low worries uh, on this end. It kind of was what it was. All right, we'll get to the game uh, in a minute here, but let's go over a little bit of Raven news. Some, I would say, mostly positive and well, some disappointing news. Uh, the first thing, Michael Pierce, the the news of him on game day, I believe, re-signing uh, with the Ravens, uh, stout defensive tackle. I would say he had his his moment of the season was the Arizona Cardinals game where he was shedding double teams and just demolishing the interior of the line, but a solid starting player for the Ravens, uh, Jay signed to a, a pretty attractive deal, I guess, for the team. Yeah, the numbers that have been floated out there are just two years, 7.5 million, which great. Yeah, like I, Michael Pierce is a solid player. We know what he does well. We know what he doesn't do well. You know, he's not an every single down guy. Um, but I think for that price, it's a fine deal. He's again, he's a good player. He had health this year, which was kind of you know, when he took that kind of sizable, somewhat sizable deal with the Vikings, what he didn't get in Minnesota was kind of good health. But he, he was healthy this year and, you know, I thought uh, made a good impact. And clearly, I think the biggest factor, he's clearly a Harbaugh guy. Like, we've seen these guys who leave and then come back. Clearly, they like John, or John Harbaugh likes them. They like John Harbaugh, Michael Pierce. Uh, we saw Pernell McPhee, Josh Bynes on this team five different times. Brent Urban, another guy currently on the team who left and has come back. Uh, clearly, there's just guys Harbaugh likes, and it feels like Michael Pierce is one of them. So I'm not surprised, but yeah, I think solid signing um, obviously, you know, this is not adjusted by a BK replacement <laughs> by any means uh, or contingency plan, but it's just, I think, a good number to kind of lock lock and bring back a guy you like. Yeah, I, th- I think there's a couple things outside of that. Everything that Jace mentioned is correct. I think if you want to be cynical about it, it makes you a bit worried for a Travis Jones because that was kind of your replacement there in the nose tackle position and Travis Jones having a little bit more pass uh, rush juice as well. Um, kind of seems like he's still more of a rotational guy. Young guy, though, and, and look, health and, and bodies are paramount on both the offense and defensive line, and having guys that can, you can constantly keep fresh 
Because Michael Pierce is a big dude, and I know he's an athlete, but my man's not on the field 100% of the time because it, it, nobody can move that kind of weight around constantly. But I think interesting on the Travis Jones front, I don't know if it's necessarily an indictment, but just something to kind of think about there too. Um, I think as well as Jace mentioned, you know, he signed with Minnesota and then left um, or skipped out the COVID year, took basically the COVID exception because he didn't, he didn't feel comfortable playing, which, you know, more than fair. Um, and then, you know, he only played eight games in 2021. He comes back to Baltimore last season, only plays three games before injuring himself. So really nice kind of redemption story for Michael Pierce, too, at 31. Uh, had some lo- lovely comments, too, about just kind of was very emotional about how much he's loved here and how much he loves it here, too. And that's always, you know, it, it, you can be cynical about it, but when it's your own team, it's fun to see. And the only other interesting thing, and, and a lot of other Ravens Twitter kind of pointed this out, and I think it's it's – fair jeff zarebeck um who is you know mr insider the baltimore's adam schefter as it were um he tweeted quote the ravens extended broderick washington before the season they've now extended michael pierce excuse me next order of business is justin matabike it's hard to imagine they'd allow matabike to hit the open market in march even if it takes the franchise tag to do it which doesn't sound like a lot sounds like a yeah no s sherlock type of tweet but Jeff Zarebeck doesn't just put that stuff out into the ether without kind of knowing something. And if you read between the lines there, you know, encouragingly, it looks like they're not letting Matabike leave. Like, they're just going to say, screw it, we'll tag him and and take the massive hit um, on that as well. So I think that's really encouraging, um, you know, kind of if you're playing Nostradamus a little bit and kind of trying to predict and read the tea leaves that – Matabike is going to be here. Look, he bet on himself. He didn't take a contract before the season, bet on himself. It's obviously <coughs> paid off. And hopefully it's a long-term deal. Um, but at the very least, it looks like at least next season he's going to be a Baltimore Raven, which y- you love to see. Uh, other news. The bummer news um, that we kind of knew was, was coming a little bit here is Mike McDonald received a request to interview from the D.C. DC Commanders, as did Anthony Weaver. We've been talking about this off and on throughout the season, that the better the Ravens' defense did, the more the spotlight was going to shine on how good this young defensive coordinator is. Um, and there there may be some concern that he will be leaving, and this is the first interview that, that we've heard from him, or for him, I should say, officially. Um, DC's a, a bad place to go, Mike. You don't want to be there. Just hang out in Baltimore, maybe maybe become the heir apparent head coaching situation. But um, yeah, long may this list stay short. I guess is the best way to, to put this here. But but we know that that his name is going to be circulating uh, throughout the off season as a potential head coaching candidate. Yeah, and I'm looking too. Um, you know, as we record this on Monday evening, Black Monday as it's called, hasn't been. As detrimental, I don't think, unless I'm missing something. You know, Ron Rivera gone with the Commanders. Um, obviously, there's an opening in Carolina, too. But anybody who'd want to work with David Tepper is a madman. Um, the guy literally bought somebody's vacation home just to demolish it because he didn't get a promotion from that guy, like, years before. He's an absolute lunatic. Um, and then Atlanta, as well. Arthur Smith being fired there. There's an opening there. New England, who knows? Tennessee is another one, too. What I'm saying is none of those are as good as coaching waiting for the Baltimore Ravens, Mike. I, I, it's just it's just simple fact. Coaching waiting for the Baltimore Ravens has a lovely, lovely ring to it. And I think 
you know, win this, as Jace mentioned, kind of off, off air before we were recording, win the Super Bowl, John and Jim both walk away, the Harbaugh <laughs> brothers, Jim walks back into the NFL, but it, you know, <laughs> theoretically walks away, um, and, and then Mike McDonald can take over, or they just have a handshake deal of like, look, we'll make you the highest paid coordinator in the National Football League. Doesn't go against the salary cap, Stevie. Like, pay up. Two, whenever Johnny Boy decides to leave, we, we ain't interviewing anybody else. Like, you're up. You're next. Um, it's going to be hard. It's going to be really hard to keep him. He's he's young. Um, I think I think a lot of the league is trying to find the answer to your Mike McDaniels and your Kyle Shanahan's and your Sean McVay's. And the answer to that is bright, young, defensive mind. And, and Mike McDonald's the best in the game um, in terms of that resume. So, God, I hope he stays. But I not super optimistic yeah i'm not either tim and like you did mention the the weird thing with this black monday coaching cycle is i feel like so much is hanging on like what um what happens in new england exactly like the fallout from belichick potentially leaving because theoretically he's he's the first call every team will make uh so i feel like we might get a a kind of delayed coaching cycle uh or hiring cycle because of that reason but um, what scares me is I saw this tweet, and obviously, as we've said, we've been talking about uh, people focused on McDonald for a while now. But I saw this tweet from J- uh, Daniel Jeremiah during, I believe, yeah, it was during the Rose Bowl. Uh, I was watching and just checked my phone, and I, I saw this tweet from him, uh, which is, everyone in the NFL is going to go after defensive coaches from Michigan and Baltimore. That scheme is generating so much buzz. And like we you mentioned with... Jeff Zerebic, Daniel Jeremiah is very plugged in. He's very plugged in mm-hmm. to the Ravens, having worked there before. And, um, yeah, I don't like that one bit, that our scheme is generating buzz because, yeah, the first guy they're gonna teams are going to call is the defensive coordinator who runs the scheme for the Ravens. So for, and, and did it to a historic degree, uh, as we should mention. The Ravens, the first team in the modern era to lead the league in sacks, takeaways, and scoring defense. Yeah. Pretty good combo. Of things there in that defensive scheme. Yeah, and yeah, so, um, obviously, offense great. has taken over the NFL, but I'm with you. If, if teams go the defensive route, it certainly seems like McDonald's going to be the first call for, for just about every team. So, yeah, so let's win the Super Bowl. That's that's my takeaway. You <laughs> worry about it everything to... next year. Yeah, right. Then it's like, I don't care. I'll coach the defense at that point. <laughs> Who cares? Like, I, we don't need to do this thought exercise completely, like, full and, like, completely laid out, but... In terms of most valuable people to the organization, like McDonald, I'm not even putting a list together. I think is top five, you know, and maybe that maybe I'm being a bit hyperbolic there because obviously the players are always going to take precedent over coaches, but he's high up. I think he's probably the highest. Maybe Todd Munkin, if this thing just keeps rolling and Todd ain't going anywhere. I think he's just. I'm fine wearing the grout fit and, and running an <laughs> offense with Lamar Jackson. This is sweet. Um, I just – I wonder. We don't have to do it. We don't have to embrace debate here. But I think, like, easily top ten important person in the organization, maybe top five, uh, you know, taking out some of the obvious candidates. Well, and, and he's only 36. He's a very right. young coach. <laughs> so he'll be around the league for a while. Yeah. Last bit of news here. And I, I was surprised. I was very surprised by it. Saturday, or Friday, I should say, because the Ravens played on Saturday. On Friday, Dalvin Cook 
signs with the Ravens, um, which before Saturday's game, I was confused by. I had seen a tweet about him getting released by the Jets, and the quote was something like, so that he can go, like, go to a contender, and I was looking at, like, the calendar. It is week 18. Like, I I don't think I've ever seen, though, like, that late in the year, like, yeah, he's just going to match up with a contender. Like, rosters are pretty well set, especially at the running back position with a week to go before the postseason. And then, and then no, it was the Baltimore Ravens who were the contender that wanted him and uh, agreed to a deal with him. Was confused by it. Watch Saturday's game. Now it makes a whole lot of more sense. Uh, we'll get to that in... <laughs> anyway, let's just turn to it right now, guys. Uh, Ravens-Steelers, it makes a whole lot more sense because... Melvin Gordon did exactly what we knew Melvin Gordon was going to do, which was fumble the but continue to fumble the football. Um, played like five snaps or something in that game. Fumble did not play again. The the new addition of the John Harbaugh doghouse is the this game is irrelevant. Back up to the doghouse starter back in the lineup. Didn't love that. Couldn't believe that happened in this game, but. Um, there are things to talk about, and I'll, I'll let you guys get into the Dalvin Cook stuff, uh, you know, as we circle around here. But for this Ravens game, there are things to talk about in this game, and there are things to ignore from this game. I'm ignoring, for example, uh, how big of a deal was made that 18 Steeler fans were there, uh, even though the game was worthless for Baltimore and it was a miserable weather day. Um, I'm ignoring that the Steelers' Twitter account post game posted a photo that said walk in your trap take over your trap when they should literally be thanking the ravens for benching starters as the only reason they're in the playoffs is because this game was scheduled in week 18 that's it but i'm ignoring i'm ignoring all of that uh we'll do a little stock up stock down uh player wise for this game because obviously the result irrelevant for baltimore uh several starters not playing in this game um Let's start with the stock down, because we can tie in the, the Dalvin Cook stuff. For me, stock down, uh, Tyler Huntley. Oh, boy. Um, this was, as kind of mentioned in, in the pregame and in the week leading up, an opportunity for him to have a full start, a full game, to kind of showcase his abilities. Again, he did not have a lot of opportunities this year as the backup quarterback to do so. He is a free agent at the end of the season. There's a few guys behind him that are kind of interested in potentially grabbing that QB2 spot. The Malik Cunningham is an interesting player that the Ravens uh, signed midseason for potentially for that role. And Huntley struggled in this game, man. He struggled in structure. He struggled to read through his progressions. It just kind of seemed a lot of over and over again. Drop back. Primary isn't there panic step back in the pot never did he step up with pressure around him did not see that once it was just always kind of panic stepping back stepping back throwing off the back foot uh struggle to generate points generate offense um so he's a, a a main stock down guy for me and then it's the running backs it's the melvin gordon fumbling it's gus edwards fumbling in back-to-back games now can this team just not fumble can we go a game without fumbling we're like the 
literally Achilles going through football games, and it's just the fumble is like the little part that wasn't dipped in the whatever river that the Achilles was dipped in. Anyway, first Lord of the, the Rings, then Greek mythology. Yeah. You're on fire today, bro. There's not important Raven plays or games to discuss, Tim. I'm all over the place. No, but those are my stock down players. It's offensively, and, and you know, one is the backup quarterback, and the other is the, the situation with these running backs. And it's possible that Dalvin Cook now is going to be getting carries in the postseason because of what is happening with, with the fumble situation. Yeah, I, I thought, so it's funny with Cook, because when, when he got released, I, I thought for half a second, I was like, I wonder if the Ravens would sign him. But then I just thought, like, I don't know what our cap situation is. They're probably not going to do it. So I never even texted it to you guys. But I wasn't shocked they made the move when I did see Melvin Gordon getting carries on on New Year's Eve. I was like, huh. I forgot about this guy, so I'm not stunned they brought Dalvin in. That being said, he's was Dalvin's been awful this season, frankly. Uh, his long is 14 yards this season. Um, that's not that's not good. Uh, but his his uh, you know he he got uh, his, his his the tweet that Pelissero shared was so funny. It was straight from his agency. Is the dynamic playmaker has fresh legs after minimal usage in New York. It's like, ah, oh, I bet, long of 14. But uh, um, I don't know. Like, I- I'm not expecting Dalvin Cook to have, like, a huge impact. I still think they do go with Gus, obviously, as the number one guy, even though the fumbles are concerning. And we've talked all year about fumbles. They're going to be a problem. So uh, come playoff time, uh, if they keep it up. And they they kept it under wraps for several weeks, and it's kind of reared its head, not when you want. But, yeah, I don't know. I don't expect Alvin Cook to have much of an impact. He was bad with the Jets, but it is also the Jets, like the worst offense in the league, basically. So he might have some pop. Like, I, this is a guy that ripped off over 1,100 yards four straight years prior to this year. So... I'm not going to say he's completely cooked at, what is he, 28 years old? Yeah, he's 28. So I think he's better than Melvin Gordon probably, even if the stats don't suggest it. But I would think we're still going to see a lot of Justice Hill, a lot of Gus Edwards come playoff time, and like maybe maybe you get a carrier to a Dalvin Cook. It's just hard to imagine you get this guy in week 18, and then suddenly you're like, bell cow back. <laughs> game one of the playoffs so yeah i'm not expecting too much of him but i will say i'm at least marginally marginally concerned um about the state of the ravens running back room in a way i haven't been in a few weeks since keaton mitchell went down yeah yeah everything uh jay said if if we're hearing from dalvin cook in like significant time in these playoffs i got a feeling these playoffs are not gonna be very good for the ravens all right let's look at stock up some some names of players that I enjoyed watching uh, in that meaningless Week 18 game for the Ravens. Um, number one, <laughs> Trenton Simpson. Uh, oh boy, here's some hyperbole. Seemed an awful lot like a young Patrick Queen, uh, if I may say so. Flying to the ball, uh, making tackles with maybe not even a younger Patrick Queen. He has obviously struggled <laughs> to do that at times, but had a sack in this game, made a really strong wrap-up tackle in the open field. Um, it was nice to see. He has played sparingly, uh, on the at least on the defensive side of the ball, some special teams, but uh, it was nice to see kind of a, a mid-round rookie finally get an opportunity, get some snaps, and it was, I mean, I'm very excited about him now uh, going into the offseason, going into year two. The obvious questions about Patrick Queen 
his status as, as remaining a Baltimore Raven past this season. So a little bit of hope um, that, that a young, fun-looking rookie can, can maybe learn and grow uh, next to Roquan Smith in the years to come. Yeah, especially with the Matabike news, right? It, I mean, it kind of seems like, sadly, like people are trying to think of crazy scenarios. They're not keeping both guys. It's not happening. They can't afford it. You pay the quarterback. This is what happens. Um, and Trenton Simpson, you know, I remember in training camp, too, like there were concerns about that pick, like immediately. It was you picked a guy that you already have a replacement or you already have a guy there which, you know, smart people like us, and we're not even that smart, we could see that Trenton Simpson is just clearly next year, year two, is going to just be Patrick Queen. Like, that's they're just filling that hole because they know they can't um, pay the guy. And then in training camp, you get to these – there's concerns. He's not playing a lot. He struggles in preseason. I think he was hurt a lot too as well. Um, and it was really nice to see this where, again – you know, next to Patrick Queen, who played a lot of this game because Roquan didn't play, uh, was very much a, you know, let Roquan do all the hard stuff, see ball, hit ball. Like, piss missile, as I've said multiple times about Patrick Queen. Trenton Simpson kind of had that. That was really nice to see. I do just want to say one – I don't want to take us all the way back. Just one quick thing on the Tyler Huntley thing. I'm with you, Antonio. It sucks because this was his chance. Um, Malik Cunningham is probably going to be the backup quarterback for the Ravens next year. Snoop, we saw the quarterback play in the NFL this year. Snoop Huntley might have a chance to make a roster. It sucks that his like chance to show off for other teams came in that game with backups and just the miserable conditions mainly. And I feel bad for him, but I think he's got enough on record to show that he's going to be, um, you know, at least a viable backup for somebody else. Just wanted to put that out there as well. Other. Other names in the uh, stock up category. I mean, I'm, you got to say it. Isaiah Likely. It was very funny Real good to football. see backups involved offensively. And then finally a, fine, we'll throw it to the starter. And then he just immediately broke two tackles and rumbled into the end zone. <laughs> For the Ravens' only score. Uh, did not see him play much after that. So he just he continues to find the end zone to break tackles. Uh and we, we, we're kind of repeating ourselves in the last few weeks, but it is so nice to see him fill into that Mark Andrews slot so seamlessly um, as a guy in the middle of the field who is just going to make plays. And I look forward to him making plays in the postseason. Two other names, uh, Jadavian Clowney and Kyle Van Noy, each with, I believe, each with a sack in this game. The two of them now with nine and a half and nine sacks, respectively, Two veteran signings made in August and September for not a ton of money. Getting 18 and a half sacks from the two of those guys has been uh, a revelation and one of the most important reasons for, for why the defense has performed as, as well as they have all year. Yeah, I mean, you, you said it. Like, you get career, literal career seasons. Kyle Van Noy's never had more sacks. This matches Clowney's career high for sacks with nine and a half. And, uh, I believe it was either getting over nine or getting two nine and a half, matching that career total. Got him a nice $750,000 bonus, which he was mm-hmm. very happy about uh, on the field, which was uh, uh, fun. Um, yeah, I mean, they've made the total difference. We were we were texting about this, uh, Antonio, uh, how our the Ravens' initial plan going into the season as their two primary edge rushers were 
uh, you know, David Ajabo and Adafe Owe. And Ajabo got hurt basically immediately um, after a solid week one. And then Owe got his requisite five sacks <laughs> this season. So you get you get six sacks from your two kind of supposed uh, outside guys. And we were just, I, that wasn't really a debate so much, but just kind of talking about like, is it good or bad that our primary options produce six sacks? Our, our, our number one plan produced six sacks, but they got 18 and a half. Uh, from kind of their their fallback options, and, and uh, you kind of convinced me that it's a good thing because it shows like they knew they weren't fully prepared <laughs> uh, to just fully trust those two guys, and and they made great signings. And obviously, the upshot is they're both free agents. They're both probably going to cash in, I would guess, with other teams. Um, after you know getting hitting nine sacks, teams are desperate for guys, veteran guys, especially thirty. Uh, uh, 30 uh, Clowney's 30 I believe uh, Van Noy's 31 veteran guys that you kind of plug and play who have coming off career years they're going to get paid and probably not by us because as we've said Matabike is the probably your number one offseason priority and everything else falls from there um, so I don't expect them on the team next year so they'll kind of have to do this again unless they get really creative but uh yeah, it was just an a, a pair of A-plus signings that kind of changed the sort of trajectory of this defense that, especially Van Noy, I didn't see coming. Clowney, I thought he could, you know, he'd come in and probably get his seven to eight sacks or whatever he does. But uh, I thought they've both been great, and, and certainly they've, yeah, they're what made the help make at least this defense special this year. So, yeah, uh, good job, Eric DaCosta. <laughs> good, pair, good pair of moves there. And we've talked about it a little bit, but I just want to mention, like, that dance. And, you know, we talk about, like, if, if you like if you like a little gamble, too. They always talk about Week 18, the incentives. This guy needs this many receiving yards to get a million bucks. This guy needs another touchdown, so many catches. And, and it was, what, $750,000 for Clowney on that sack? And just the dance, then the crowd recognizing the dance, and the game, like, stopping – for 30 seconds so Clowney would just keep dancing because he's like I just got paid it's cool like it, it, it was a cool kind of like everybody got involved moment of like oh yeah congrats man like way to go and he just he, he hammed it up too um I would love to see Clowney back um he's kind of been doing this one year mercenary type of thing and, and trying to break through um, obviously both guys are a little bit older I could definitely see Van Noy coming back seeing as they basically signed him what a couple weeks into the season because nobody uh wanted him um Clowney's gonna be tough because again it's just one of those things where who are you gonna pay and the over 30 pass rusher is probably not that guy when you keep telling yourself that Adafi Owe and David Ajabo are gonna come good I don't think so guys um but yeah it would be really nice if if he kind of did the veteran thing and like you know they they give him a little bit of a pay rise Maybe he comes back in late August, skips training camp, whatever. That that would be nice. But yeah, both both guys, like like Jace mentioned, an absolute revelation. Have not only been like Justin Houston levels of fine, have been like key impact guys on that defense. And hell, let's hope it. Ha- let's, let's keep it up for like another month, huh? Let's see if <laughs> let's see if that works. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Uh, all right, let's go to now the NFL. Let's go to the playoff matchups. We're going to start in the NFC quickly before turning to the AFC and kind of how those games have direct implications on what the Ravens do the following week. But starting with the NFC, the games that we have, first of all, Cowboys hosting the Packers, Lions hosting the Rams, and then Bucks hosting the Eagles. So we're going to just kind of run through these quickly, starting with Cowboys-Packers. Uh, feels like a pretty good matchup for the Cowboys. They definitely won't mess this up, right, guys? Uh, the, the playoff issues for them have been famous for the last one, two, 30 years. <laughs> But this kind of feels like a good team for them to be playing at home. If, you know, if it gets into a shootout, the Cowboys are going to be in good shape. If it stays low scoring, the Cowboys, you still kind of give them the advantage there. Uh, what do you guys like or, or dislike in this matchup? Yeah, I'd be, frankly, kind of stunned if the Cowboys lost. Now, that is kind of hard to say, as you said, given their, their constant playoff failures. And, and watching that game yesterday, I was that was the one I watched most in the late sort of afternoon window. It just made me think, I'm like, why has this team not had more playoff success? Because it's really, really good. The Cowboys are a great team. And it just kind of actually doesn't make sense that they haven't even reached a conference championship game. Because they have, like, basically everything you want. Every level of their team, they have stars. They turn the ball over. The quarterback's really good. I believe he led the league in touchdowns this year after his sort of explosion. So, you know, the Packers, I think, are very ahead of schedule, obviously. Um, this was supposed to be a rebuilding year in their first year post-Aaron Rodgers. They have the youngest team in the league, uh, certainly at least on offense, I think overall, too. Uh, and they make the playoffs at 9-8. and eight. So I, I feel like for Packers fans, you're feeling great. You seem like you have a great quarterback again, or at least a legit solid one, which is kind of Crazy. annoying, right? Like, I don't even dislike the Packers, but it, 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 like, they shouldn't get three solid quarterbacks in a row. Like, they've already had 30 years of strong quarterback play, and er, er, and Jordan Love's just good now. 4,000 yards, 32 TDs in year one uh, as a starter. That's, like, basically almost never been done. It was like Mahomes and I think one other guy have hit those two numbers. So that's kind of annoying. Maybe if he goes off, they have a chance, but I'd really be stunned, uh, frankly, if the Cowboys lose this game. It seems to set up nice for them. And that's, you know, not taking nothing away from the Packers. They've had a great year. Uh, I think their fans would take making the playoffs post Rodgers. Uh, it's a step in the right direction. Love looks good. But they're all about the future, and Cowboys are winning now. So, yeah, I'd be surprised if the Cowboys lose this. Plus, they now have a quarterback who doesn't falsely accuse people of being on Epstein's Island. So that's awesome. <laughs> um, but among, I, yeah. <laughs> among other things. <laughs> yeah, and also then said, and I know, I know, we like Aaron Rodgers in this show, Jace. You know, maybe not well, the off the field. Well, stuff, less, yeah. less than we used to. <laughs> Fair enough. Less than we used to. Uh, Aaron Rodgers then saying today, Jets need to quote flush the BS in 2024, and he's like just straight faced saying that when it's definitely not his fault that you know some of that bs is there anyway um i think i think the packers are a little bit more live than jace but the one thing kind of two things changing that one the cowboys getting the two seed is so big for them because they are so good at home um they don't they really struggle away from home you know there's been like the fraud label because it was like them and the dolphins was the fraud bowl because neither team 
had beaten really a, 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 <laughs> a strong opponent. And obviously that's changed a little bit with the Cowboys. Um, Cowboys very good at home. That two seed means they're going to get at least two games at home should they continue to win, which I think is big for them. And then also, I mean, the Packers defense, like Joe Barry is, is terrible and you never know. Like, like more often than not, the Packers defense is going to be kind of bad. So <laughs> I would think that Dak Prescott to CD lamb to Jake Ferguson and a little bit of Tony Pollard sprinkled in, sprinkled in, excuse me, is going to be enough to get it done. Uh, this is the Mike McCarthy ball. We should mention as well. Who the hell knows? Like, Mike McCarthy could do something crazy. Tony Pollard snapping the ball to Dak and no offense alignment around him. That, like, <laughs> legit happened with Ezekiel Elliott a couple years ago. So, so who knows? The Cowboys could totally cowboy this. Um, you know, we're not doing our gambling section quite yet. I, I'm, I'm, I'm circling Packers 7.5 and, and, just, and just looking at it. I'm, I don't think I'm going to take it. We'll see. Maybe, maybe in 30 minutes' time or whatever when we get to that. Maybe I'll change my mind, but I think the Packers can be live in this game because, you know, maybe I'm just getting fooled by the uniform, but there's just something there, and then the Cowboys could just – all the Cowboys have to do is cowboy it up for this to be like a three-point game, um, and Ooh. I think that that is, you know, obviously something that could happen. <laughs> I just thought of that. That's a, that, This is a top-tier uniform matchup. Oh. Uh, would love to see Top-tier. the Packers in the green – and the Cowboys in the white uh, kind of feels like the right the right pairing there. But uh, second game uh, of the NFC playoffs: Lions hosting the Rams. It's Stafford for the Lions. It's Goff for the Rams. No, it isn't. It's the other <laughs> way around. But it's a very fun, maybe one of the more fun games uh, of the weekend. Is this kind of switch of quarterbacks getting drafted and starting their careers with one team? Um, and then in Stafford's case, winning the Super Bowl f- for the other one. Um, a, a nice uh, a homecoming for Stafford, and I guess for Goff, a like, you should have you stuck with me the whole time situation. But uh, what are you guys' thoughts on, on this matchup? Let, let's be clear. This is absolutely a revenge game for Jared Goff. Sean McVay kicked him to the curb and said, I, want, I am an offensive genius that has no idea how to use your inept skills. And I want to get this old geriatric quarterback to win a Super Bowl with. <laughs> and then did. And then did. This is 1,000% a revenge game for Jared Goff. Um, the Lions are going to be biting kneecaps all over the place. First home game. First home playoff game, not to steal your stat here, Jace, since 1994, which is just absolutely insane. That place is going to be rocking. And the one guy that they have to face is the man who was their only shining light. Him him throwing it to Calvin Johnson was the only thing this team had for so long. Um, not to spoil it, but this this it, the Rams are live in this game. I think the Rams should have maybe be favored in this game over the Lions. I think the Lions defense is, is just has so many issues. Um, Sean McVay knows Every little detail about Jared Goff. Let's not forget that either. Um, Sam Laporta is out. He got injured in the final game for the Lions, which sucks. It was a game that really meant nothing for them um, because obviously the debacle with the the Brad Allen and and all that (laughs) as well uh, basically means that their Week 18 game was essentially for nothing unless something crazy happened. Um, you look, Lions fans, I think, are just going to take this. They're going to love it. It's a home playoff game. We won the North. You know, let's enjoy it. But there's got to be a little part of them that's like, it had to be Stafford, and it has to be this Rams team who is frisky. Um, 
Yeah, I, I, I would be very concerned in Detroit uh, for, for this game. Sunday night, it's going to be it's going to be going to be great. I can't wait. It has to be Stafford, Tim. I, now, That's, how yeah, else can right. you slay your the playoff demons? I think, I don't know. I, I'm most excited for this game, I think, of the entire weekend. And for what you said, it should be a shootout. I think none of these defenses are great. The Lions especially poor. I think Stafford is one of the best quarterbacks in the league this year. I think he's the best one the Ravens played, um, certainly. <laughs> Uh, and yeah, I'm just really excited for this game. Uh, I think it should be a shootout, all the revenge factors, prime time. Like you said, the lions have never hosted a playoff game at Ford field, uh, which they've played at for over 20 years now. Um, their, their last playoff game happened, went back when they were playing at the silver dome, uh, out in Pontiac, Michigan. So yeah, that, as you said, the atmosphere should be, should be just amazing. I, I'm just really looking forward to this game. I, I think it's going to be awesome. And you know, the Lions playoff drought, uh, the Lions last won a playoff game in January of 1992. They beat the Cowboys, and they've not won a playoff game since. So, like, the fact that, like, this might be your best chance to break that streak against your old quarterback, there's just so, it's just so juicy. The storylines are great. And, yes, I do not expect the Lions to then go on, like, a Super Bowl run or anything. But I would, I'm rooting for them to win this game, I'll say. Like, I, I like the Rams plenty. Uh, I think they're another team sort of ahead of schedule, even, uh, in a, in a pseudo-rebuild. Um, even though they have, obviously, several key players from their title team just two years ago. Um, but, yes, this this should be a fun one. This, this uh, I think, could be the game of the weekend, potentially. But that's the great thing about the NFL. Weird, great games come out of nowhere sometimes. <laughs> Yeah, Tim uh, mentioning the the gambling there. I want I want to take Rams. I want to like it looks like such an opportunity with the pl- I believe it's plus three and a half, but that stadium is going to be out of its mind. Like it, it was, they're it drinking was loud. now. They're drinking <laughs> now for that game on Sunday, getting prepped for it. Like the, the it, Detroit is ready. It was loud and crazy when they hosted the Broncos in like a primetime game. And that was like, uh, yeah, this team is different. Like they sense that they're going to go to the playoffs, have a good seed. They got a primetime to get excited about. And it was crazy. And they blew out Denver and they just dominated from start to finish. So I, I'm like terrified. I could, I just feel that noise and ruckus for three hours. And I don't know how that's going to translate to the result of the game, but it'll a- absolutely be. Uh, a fun a fun watch and then the third nfc game one of the dumbest postseason <laughs> matchups i have seen in a long time it's bucks hosting the eagles i had been oh man i had been so excited for the last like two months about being able to bet on the the dog manure <laughs> team that ended up winning the nfc south and then it's the Bucks who have looked terrible for a few weeks in a row. Perfect. You get them at home, so the line, you know, you get you get a few free points with this bad home playoff team. And then they're going against the only team down worse than them in the Philadelphia Eagles who have lost all ability to score, to stop other teams from scoring, to win football games, to deal with bad opposition. It's confounding. I don't understand it. Um... And now I don't know what to do about about this game from a gambling perspective. But what what are your guys' thoughts on Bucks hosting the Eagles? I know what to do. Stay away. Do not go anywhere near <laughs> Eagles Bucks on Monday night. Oh gosh, um, I have such bad news for Tim in about twenty five minutes. Oh my god, I can't believe it. 
I, as somebody who, um, you know, my girlfriend has a Philadelphia background, so the Eagles are always on there. I had two Eagles in my fantasy. I've watched a lot of Eagles this year, right? And they are broken. They are broken. They are done. We should have known when Matt Patricia started calling plays again, even though it was on the right side of the ball. I don't know what's happening. A.J. Brown's hurt. Devontae Smith is hurt. Jalen Hurts looks like Brian Baldinger with his fingers. And if you get that reference, then, you know, you're a true football fan. Um, I think every every week I, I'll sprinkle a little bit on the – not every week, but, like, a lot of weeks I'll be like, come on, Eagles, they're going to figure it out. It's like, the, it's like we've been doing with the Chiefs all year. The, uh, they're going to figure it out. They're going to figure it out. They're the Eagles. Come on. They're the Eagles. Look at them. They're the Eagles. They're the Eagles. They'll be fine. Um, they're not fine. They're not fine. That being said, yeah, the Bucks just scored nine points against the Carolina <laughs> Panthers. Three field goals against the Carolina Panthers, who are playing for nothing, not even a draft pick because they don't have one because they're stupid. Um, I just – I don't know. It kind of sucks that this is the last playoff game because it's like you want to really get into it and watch it. Maybe the Eagles show up and show out. I doubt it. But, yeah, I just – my my advice, you know, I'm gonna watch it because I'm a sicko. But I would I would not touch it gambling wise. And I'm bare, it, you know, I got we've talked about the three TV setup. It's going on the top left one, which is the one that is kind of wonky and slow sometimes. Like that's the TV this is going on while I do other things. Um, you know, on that Monday evening. But yeah, I just I want the Eagles to figure it out. I like the Eagles. I like the Eagles. I I know some people don't like them. I kind of like that the Eagles are just big Ravens. Like. Philly, Philly is just big Baltimore. We get, we feel like we're constantly disrespected. You know, we've got this enormous, probably ridiculous chip on our shoulder, and <laughs> our teams are birds. Like that, that's kind of it's all it's all very similar. You know, blue collar roots, what have you. So I always I've always had a thing for the Eagles. You know, kind of as you know, as sort of an NFC team. I respect them, but. I just I don't see it, man. I don't see it, and they got some serious questions. Um, you know, they lose this game. Like Vic Sirianni could be fired. Like le- legitimately could be out. Um, so yeah, it's it's a weird it's a weird watch. But maybe maybe that's why you watch it because it's gonna be weird. So who knows? Well, all, all that to say, stay away. Just stay away, Antonio. <laughs> yeah. Stay away. Do not gamble on this game in real life, please. Uh, no, I, I agree with you, Tim. I think Sirianni is could definitely be gone, especially if if they lose and if if it's in embarrassing fashion. Just because this team was ten and one at one point, and now they sit here at eleven and six. It's just it's like really like a, kind of an unprecedented collapse for a team with Super Bowl aspirations. And I think to the point you guys have made, it's like. <laughs> he clearly doesn't have answers. The Matt Patricia thing was a panic decision. Uh, and they just have no answer for why their defense went from number two in yards last year to 26th this season with not really hardly any personnel changes, not at least anything significant. And the Eagles are 30th in points against this year. That's just not a winning recipe. This team's not going to the Super Bowl. Can they beat the Bucks? Absolutely. Baker could throw like four picks. <laughs> <laughs> um, but 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 the Eagles do feel uh, pretty broken right now, and yeah, I think I, I'm not going to be surprised if they lose this. If if they if they're a team that cleans house, which creates who even knows in terms of the you know do they become a Belichick team? So many questions if, if the Sirianni and the and company blow this one. So uh, 
yeah, it's intriguing. It probably won't be that good of a well-played game, but uh, it's definitely interesting. And uh, yeah, kind of a weird, weird cap to what should be an, is an otherwise very interesting weekend, I think. I gotta do some some real soul searching as we, as we finish <laughs> this episode. Don't do it. Do not. Do it. <clears throat> All right. uh, AFC AFC games. Uh, we found out the the order first of all for the seating with the AFC with the the culmination of a very weird very <laughs> ugly football game between the Bills and Dolphins. Bills do end up somehow uh, with a touchdown uh, win in that game, so they are now the two seed. And they get the Pittsburgh Steelers as the seven seed uh, in the first first matchup. Chiefs and the three seed now host the Dolphins in the six seed. And Texans, that's right, Houston Texans winning the AFC South. They are the four seed taking on the five seed Browns. Um, we're going to talk in a few minutes about you know who the Ravens could face and, and what we like or dislike. But let's just talk about these matchups. Uh, first, let's not get ahead of ourselves here. Let's talk about the games that are actually happening. <laughs> Bill Steelers does Pittsburgh. It's going to be weird. It's going to be ugly. The line has been hovering at around 10 points for the Bills. Do the Steelers have a chance to win? Let's put it this way. Is it? Could it get ugly enough? Uh, could enough dumb things happen? Could you see enough of the uh, deer in the headlights Josh Allen face in this game? to get a Steelers win on the road, or is this just about, like, this will be funny, it'll be gross, um, closer result, closer to the line, and we'll see if the Steelers can stay close. Is there is there a game where Pittsburgh is running all over the field uh, having scraped out a win against the Bills in Buffalo? I will just simply say the same line that I've said about, I don't know, 27 Raven Steelers games over the years. The Steelers didn't win. The Ravens lost. Um, you know, the Ravens beat themselves. I can see Josh Allen pressing all the buttons like eight times and doing the spin move out of bounds rather than actually throwing the ball to X or the tight end or whoever or circle or, or triangle. He, he meant to hit triangle and he hit run out of bounds play or something. Like, whatever. <laughs> I, think I could totally see all of this happening and all of a sudden it's like 10-9 and the Steelers have the ball with two minutes left and they go down and kick a field goal to win 12-10 or something like that. Like, th I don't think it's going to happen. I don't I don't even put a high percentage on it. But I'll say this. It ain't in the multiverse. It's in this one. 6-1-6 where that could happen. Um, you did Lord of the Rings. I did Marvel, Antonio. We're, <laughs> we're all the nerds tonight. We're really helping them all out. Um, I... I I definitely think it could happen, but I'm also a broken Ravens fan who has watched the Steelers not win a bunch of games that they get a win for um, against my team. So yeah, the Bill the Bills could just implode at any moment. Like they could they could just do stupid stuff at any moment, and the Steelers could stay in it. Um, and that's why I think the line might be a little bit high too. But that's that's for later in the show. But yeah, I, I think the Bills will win, but. Um, the Steelers just make things stupid and weird, and Mason Rudolph has actually been playing okay. Although he was terrible against the Ravens. We should mention that. Everybody everybody getting off on Mason Rudolph uh, over the last couple of weeks. Oh, they should have started him the whole time. He sucked against the Ravens. He wasn't any good. So I, I shut up. Shut up about big face, big face and Rudolph. Um, but I just, I don't know. It, I could still see it happening because the Steelers are the Steelers. 
Yeah, I was, I, I was about to say the Steelers had no chance outright, but then, like, yeah, just, like, reflecting on the entirety of the 2023 Bills season, which they've just kind of gone careening from disasters to near disasters. Yeah, they could absolutely shoot themselves in the foot. They nearly did against Miami. Josh Allen had some horrible turn. He had three turnovers in that game, all kind of horrible. <laughs> uh, they tried to lose to the Chargers. They tried to lose the Patriots almost. Could have lost to the Chiefs if Kadarius Tony knew how to line up. <laughs> so they win five straight to win the AFC East. But uh, yeah, it's hard to have too much faith in the Bills. That being said, I'm not upset that the Ravens aren't playing them or have no ability to play them in the divisional round. They are hot. They seem to know, not know, but accidentally win these close games. At least there is some value in that. And I think Josh Allen is at the end of the day, still one of the better quarterbacks, certainly in the AFC. Um, and so I, I kind of lean that the Steelers don't have a chance, especially, I mean, I'm sure he'll try to play. He pretended he was going to try to play after he got hurt last week, but TJ Watts health, that's obviously something to monitor. Um, in, in this game because if they don't have him I don't think they have much of a chance but um yeah I don't know could Josh Allen could have four turnovers the weather's supposed to be awful I mean it's Buffalo in January high of 24 low of 14 with a 85 percent chance of precipitation on Sunday so <laughs> there'll probably be snowy and awful it sounds like so it'll be it's it's what you expect from Buffalo uh New York at this time of year so that could that could certainly Play into the Steelers' favor some, too, you would Just think. Just pouring ketchup and mustard all over themselves <laughs> as we speak. Yeah. Bill's Mafia going nuts already. Just lighting tables on fire. And and their throwing their on fire accidentally. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. The God, other. I love you, Bill's Mafia. <laughs> uh, the, uh, the matchup of who is spiraling worse. Uh, Chiefs, Dolphins, uh, Kansas City winning uh, over the weekend with with backups with Blaine Gabbert, I believe it was a 12-10 final and a game that didn't, a perfect result for a game that didn't matter. And then the Dolphins where I just, I swear I don't believe that Tua Tagovailoa can do like a seven-step drop and like make a top-shelf NFL throw. It just, it's very odd to me how they generate yards, how they generate open receivers his one thing that he can do is the like drop it in a bucket he can see Tyreek Hill halfway across the field running and he knows where to throw the you know the Russell Wilson moon ball to where it hits a receiver and strut that's he has that he has very little else in my opinion and this team struggled mightily against a decimated Bills defense in a must-win game at home scored 14 points struggled to even do that um, he, he looks a bit lost at times and they go into Kansas city whose offense might be worse. So what do we do with these two teams in this particular matchup? I'm lost in how to handicap this game. Well, we did see this game once already. It was over in, I believe in Munich, Germany. Uh, and that was another very weird game, uh, that the chiefs won 21 to 14 that included a Tyreek Hill fumble and the chiefs not scoring in the second half. So I think it's going to be ugly. We should say, if you didn't hear 10,000 times on Peacock on Sunday night, this is on, or on NBC Sunday night, this game is on Peacock. So the Swifties, you have to get, you have to get Peacock for this one. Uh, no, I, I completely agree with you, Antonio. And I just kind of lean Chiefs in this game just because I just don't trust Tua. It just seems like in these big moments, it just it doesn't 
happen for him. Like he nearly threw a pick and then threw a pick uh, on that final sequence. And it's just like, I don't know. It just seems like when the pressure kind of ramps up, when the competition ramps up, um, you know, they haven't been that good. The Cowboys are the only winning team they beat all year. Who, You know, Cowboys couldn't win away from home this year unless they were playing like a three-win team. <laughs> so it was – I don't really know what to make of this game. I think the Dolphins' um, pass rush situation is kind of hitting a critical mass. Van Ginkle got hurt on Sunday night after they lose Bradley Chubb and they lose Jalen Phillips earlier this year. That's not ideal against Patrick Mahomes. So – I think all those reasons I lean Chiefs, though, I don't have a lot of faith in Kansas City. It just seems like the Dolphins are kind of trending in the wrong direction um, at the wrong time. And I don't think, you know, Tyreek Hill's still kind of hobbling around. Jalen Waddle was out Sunday. He's supposed to be back. But obviously he's coming off an injury, too. So I don't know. They just seem kind of too banged up. And I don't trust Tua to be kind of good enough to make up for it. If it comes down to... A, a QB battle, quote unquote, between him and Mahomes. I'm still going to trust Patrick Mahomes, even if the Chiefs have given us very little reason to do so to this point uh, of the season. Yeah, and that's kind of where I was going to go to. Um, look, it's in the cold. The Dolphins are decimated, and this might come down to Mahomes versus Tua. And you both have nailed it on the head. I, I don't want to be confident in the Chiefs because the Chiefs have given you nothing to be confident in. Um, they've been really bad at the much like the eagles where it's they're gonna figure it out they're gonna figure it out that FanDuel did their FanDuel wrapped like every company does like their wrapped for 2023 and they sent me an email that said the team like the three teams i bet the most on this year and granted i don't do a ton of betting or anything and everything's very small and what have you but it was the baltimore orioles shout out it was the kansas city chiefs at number two and then liverpool football club at three I bet on the Chiefs a lot because I think the Chiefs are good and they keep telling me they're not good. And so sometimes I get a little bit <sighs> against another opponent. I'll say this against another opponent. I'd be more worried for the Chiefs. I think the Dolphins are dead. I think it's over for them. I don't think I don't think they're going to change anything. I don't think Mike McDaniel's on the hot seat or anything like that. But injuries have caught up to them. And I think we could be sitting here this time next year saying they got to move on from Tua because it's just not its not the solution for this system. Um, and, yeah, I, I, give me the Chiefs uh, in this game. And that sucks because I kind of would like to play the Dolphins again. Well, uh, just real quick thing. You mentioned the weather. It's uh, 20, uh, calling for a high of 21 degrees on Saturday in Kansas City yeah. with a low of negative six. Yeah. So <laughs> this is going to be a very cold game that I do think has to favor uh, – the team not from South Florida, probably. Uh, kind of a massive thing that I have not seen any news on yet, but uh, Jalen Waddle, any info on him playing in this game? Because I feel like that could be a massive difference maker for them in terms of trying to generate points. So I hadn't seen anything definitive. I did see McDaniel said that him and whoever, I forget the other guy that they had out, wanted to play, but that the medical staff didn't clear them to play. So that doesn't necessarily mean they'll be cleared to play, <laughs> you know, on, on uh, Saturday. It's a, sh a shorter week. So um, I think he'll be back. It sounded like he thinks he's ready to come back, uh, but sort of uh, difference of opinion. Uh, oh, he was Mostert. It was the other guy. But uh, um but yeah, so they, uh, it sounds like they're optimistic they'll both be back, at least. Uh, and then the final matchup in the AFC, Texans hosting 
the Browns. C.J. Stroud, D'Amico Ryans, you got the rookie quarterback, rookie head coach, feel-good story, and then this, uh, I don't know, steamroller of a Browns team that doesn't make any sense, really good defense. <laughs> Joe Flacco just <laughs> pulling all the strings. They had a week to rest because they, their, their final game against the Bengals was irrelevant. Um, I, I know I'm leaning a, a certain direction in this game. The line forward last I checked was Browns minus two and a half. Yep. Uh, it kind of feels like the Texans, like they, they've just exceeded all expectations. Uh, they've outplayed their own talents. Um, but they also got a, a kind of a favorable division, uh, a favorable final week of the year with the Jaguars. Jaguar zing. Um, and I kind of just like, I mean, it's Joe Flacco in the postseason against a rookie quarterback. Like I, I kind of think the Browns defensively, are going to put a stranglehold uh, on the Texans and then offensively make just enough plays. Uh, and I think that that line is pretty low, but I'm curious as to your guys' thoughts on Texans-Browns. I'll do more on this later. I'll just simply say the the Joe Flacco game that we know is coming. It's coming. Maybe it comes in Houston. Family show. Deshaun Watson. The bad. Um, <laughs> it, might, it might happen in so this game's weird because I, I was happy Houston won. Uh, I had no interest in seeing the Colts in the playoffs. Uh, you know, I, they're just not a fun team to watch. So I think this is good. And I think Stroud is one of the better quarterbacks, sort of. Uh, like, he seems legit good. And, yes, the Browns did just blow out uh, the Texans three weeks ago in Houston on Christmas Eve. But Stroud didn't play in that game. That was a Davis Mills start, I believe. Uh, and he might even got benched in that. So I, I don't know that there's too much to take away from that. I, I do worry. I'm not. I'm staying away from this game for betting purposes myself just because I could see a world where the Flacco game happens and C.J. Stroud might be the difference. I think he's really good. I think he showed that. I mean, that drive he had Saturday night to put the Texans in front was just so nails. It was, it was really impressive. He, he's going to win rookie of the year. He's going to be good for a long time in the AFC, which is annoying uh, as a Ravens fan. But uh, yeah, gambling wise, I, I, I really don't, I think this is kind of almost, I don't want to say a coin flip. Cause I think Eileen Browns just because of that defense could give him troubles. But, I mean, for the Texans, you have to be pretty excited, right? You had the number two overall pick last year, and you're in the playoffs this year. You nailed you nailed both picks. You traded up for it. And, yeah, you're trading your first-round pick this year, but you made the playoffs, so who cares? You're trading, like, the 25th overall pick for, like, Will Anderson. Uh, this season couldn't have gone better for the Texans. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think a playoff win would be great. It's kind of the cherry on top, uh, certainly. I don't think it's a guarantee. I think the Browns are really good pretty good anyway but yeah um this game this game should be interesting it could be weird <laughs> it could have four flacco interceptions stroud could throw four interceptions i think all possibilities are kind of on the table for this one which is why i am staying away from it from gambling perspective yeah i want to push back tim a little bit on the we know the joe flacco game is coming i think he's already done it that that, that has kind of been him for the Browns. He has eight interceptions in five games for the Browns. <laughs> he threw three against the Bears, and they came back and won. He threw two against Houston, and they won by four. They scored 36 points and won by 14. He's just going to do that again. Like, he's going to throw two interceptions in this football game. 
but they've just gotten it to work because he's doing so many other good things. And then on the other side, I think that Browns defense, I can just imagine Garrett just just demolishing that Texans offensive line over and over and over again. But obviously it's 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 tight. The line is tight. It's a postseason game. Uh, it's in Houston. Uh, and we will see. But certainly some fun matchups. Uh, and now let's play a fun, not a fun game, but let's have fun with the Ravens. Let's go back to talking about our, our team, who, by the way, doesn't have to play this weekend because they're the number one seed, uh, so they got to buy, and they have the best record in the That's end. like basically a playoff win, Antonio. <laughs> We're here celebrating. Well, I guess we'll do that next next week. We'll celebrate <laughs> the playoff win when we come in. Um, but let's let's go through the teams that the Ravens could play now. With how this shook out uh, in the divisional round, the Bills no longer a team that they can play. The Chiefs are not a team that the Ravens can face. They can face, however, the Steelers, the Dolphins, the Browns, or the Texans. I'm going to run through the four of these very quickly, and then I'm curious. I want to hear your guys' thoughts. We can kind of spend some time or just kind of zip through. But uh, And this is, boy, just getting a nice big glass of half full, half full with water because it's all optimism. It's all positivity because that's where we are at this point with the Ravens. Um, next week, the conversation, I think, will be a little bit different when we start doing <laughs> an actual preview for a game. But... If it's the Steelers, if they do some dumb stuff against the Bills, are you telling me that the Steelers are beating the Ravens three times in one season and they're doing it with that that team in Baltimore? In the no, it, no, it's not happening. It wasn't going to happen in Week 18, and it's not. They almost didn't even beat the Ravens with the backups in Week 18. It's not going to happen against the starters with two weeks of rest, three weeks of rest in some instances. Ravens Dolphins. We just saw this. Didn't we? we just saw this, where the Ravens scored 56 points. I don't think they're going to win by 40 again, but after seeing the product on the field, kind of looked like one team was much better than the other, and one quarterback can make plays more than the other one can. <clears throat> if the Ravens go against the Browns, a lot of people were saying that you know you can't look at the fact that the Ravens uh, blew out the Browns earlier in the season because that was against Dorian Thompson-Robinson. What are you talking about? People forget that the Ravens scored 28 points and 31 points against this historically good Browns defense. Hasn't slowed them down, even a little bit. And then Flacco coming to Baltimore. I see turnovers. I see sacks, more importantly. I see him not being able to move out of that pocket and struggling. Texans. We handled them in week one, obviously a long time ago. It's a rookie quarterback, rookie head coach, going into Baltimore. It's a nice story. They've overachieved. I would relish the Texans coming in. I think I would love the Steelers coming in, the other two teams. I don't know. But those are my initial uh, positive, very positive reads on who the Ravens could play in their first matchup. Of course, we were saying this stuff in 2019, but it's a different team. It's a different year. But I'm curious as to your guys' thoughts on these four potential matchups. So I think I lean actually to I want them to play the Texans the most just to remove the things can get weird when you play division rivalries, but I'm with you. The Steelers would not beat them. I'm not inviting it, but I would be fine. And I should say, yeah, blanket statement. I'm fine with whatever. I was fired up that the Titans won in 2019 to knock off the Pats, uh, only to then, you know, watch us get kind of our teeth kicked in. So I, I, I don't have too much of a preference really. Uh, the Dolphins game, the only thing that kind of worries me with that is they still do have those playmakers. Um, 
And there is the chance that, obviously, like, right, if you replay this game, it's not going to be that one-sided. I wouldn't think. That's just, like, not how the NFL works generally. So that's kind of the one thing sort of on edge. And I'm with you. The the Flacco thing, what actually does worry me more is that Browns defense just because I see potential uh, for if we do have any rust just not getting on track if with against, a, like, a good defense – um, and that worries me a little bit. I, I'm not worried about the Flacco side much because, like you said, I think he's going to turn the ball over. I still think as, – as well as he looks like he's moving relative to him, he's still now – I think he just had his birthday or it's coming up like a 39-year-old man, right? So uh, I, I'm not I'm not too worried about him specifically. It's more the Browns defense, even though, as you said, uh, only the Rams and Flacco's first start and the Colts <coughs> scored more points against the Browns this year than the Ravens did in their two games. So um, – they can put points on them. Obviously, they blew it real hard the last time they played the Browns. <laughs> that was their own fault. But so uh, <laughs> it's weird because, I, th- as I said, I think I want the Texans but just because they've played them the longest. I think they have, like, sort of the least real title aspirations. But I do think yeah. of that for, like that quartet, isn't C.J. Stroud obviously the best quarterback of the Browns of – even is he better than Tua? Maybe not, but he feels like it to me. I, I think he's just been really good. So I lean Texans. He's better than Tua. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I but I, even with that caveat, I still I think lean Texans. But so if I had to rank them, I'd say I'd want him to play the the Texans, Steelers, Dolphins, Browns probably. But again, it's it's all kind of a crapshoot. And I'll say this because I'm feeling bold. I'm not afraid of any of them this week. <laughs> Ask me next week. Different answer. <laughs> yeah. You guys have really hit all the main points here. I think I think a lot of this will change based on how these teams perform in the wild card round as well, um, where our opinions will differ greatly. Uh, the Steelers can definitely beat the Ravens three times. <laughs> they've, they've done that. No. So many times. Like, so many times. Even when the Ravens have been better, they've, oh, they've done that. Um, they're probably I, – I hate that we always just – I don't hate it because obviously we're all friends and what have you, but we do agree a lot. Um, and I think I am right there with Jace in terms of the teams I'd want to see. Uh, the Texans, I know CJ Stroud's great and he could go into Cleveland and, and just absolutely dominate. And then it's like, Oh no. All right. Stroud trying to have his moment here. Let's see. Um, and then they could very much, you know, they could be very live in a game against the Ravens. Um, I think I go to the same order. Texans, Steelers, Dolphins, uh, Browns, the Dolphins only because like you almost don't want the team to be any sort of relaxed and subconsciously you're going to be a little bit relaxed when you beat the pants off of the team just a few <laughs> weeks before that. Um, the Browns for obvious reasons, like Joe Flacco might have his Joe Flacco game and Antonio I think is correct and kind of pushing back on that a little bit. He ain't having a bad game against the Ravens in Baltimore. Like it ain't happening. That's just not how this fandom works. If if you only started if you only started during the Lamar Jackson era and you're a very new Ravens fan, let me tell you one thing. He's throwing four touchdowns and four hundred and fifty yards against the Ravens. They might not win, but he's scaring the hell out of you in that game. And that is exactly what's gonna happen against the Browns. That's a team I do not want to play at all. Um and yeah, I I think I think the final point is is we earned the right for the one seed we are the best team in the national football league we should not be scared of any of these teams as panicky fans we're going to convince ourselves to get nervous about any of them and that's fine but the ravens are better than any of these teams they beat i think six or seven playoff teams this year 
um, and and embarrassed a few of them as well. Um, everybody's scared of us. We shouldn't be scared of them. And that's that's kind of how you have to approach it. You're going to play tough teams in the playoffs. You got to beat the tough teams to to win the whole damn thing. Like that's how it works. It's not going to be a, a cakewalk, any any way, shape, or form. But um, yeah, if I had my pick, and I kind of hate doing this because it's you know you're asking for trouble. I'd probably go Texans. I'd go Texans, Dolphins, Steelers, Browns. I'd put te- I'd put Dolphins there just just for the whole AFC North thing. Um, so yeah, hopefully Texans. Really don't hope the Browns, but you know we'll have to see. Jace, why is this year going to be different from 2019? I'm sure I, if we go back to the footage, I'm sure I'm saying all the same things uh, in this week in the 2019 postseason. Why is this year different? Why is this team different? Yeah, I, well, I think it starts just from the experience of 2019. I think that is certainly been brought up by by players and coaches who were on that team, which is. Way less than you think, actually. I think it's only seven or eight guys from that 2019 team still around. But I, I think that experience has led to like a maturity in the team leadership that wasn't there in 2019, specifically from Lamar Jackson. I mean, there was that clip going around uh, during the Dolphins game, which again, they won, what, 56 to 19 of him saying, calm the F down, we stay locked in to his teammates who were like celebrating on the sideline, probably in like sometime during the second half, I'm guessing. But uh, yeah, I, I think just like he, it seems to start with him. He seems kind of singularly driven by the Super Bowl pursuit. And we've talked about, you know, I, I think at length at this point, but he, he's gotten paid. He's already has an MVP. He seems to like he's got to get a second one that that doesn't seem to interest him too much. You know, there's only one thing for him to do, and it's improve on his one and three postseason record. So that starts with a win <laughs> in the divisional round. And, uh, but I think the other thing that that encourages me is actually just having so many guys that weren't on that 2019 team and are just trying to, you know, achieve postseason success on their own. Like, it's easy to forget because it feels like they've been around for a while. But, like, Patrick Queen was not on that 2019 team. Justin Matabike was not. And then you have guys you've brought in like Roquan Smith and Jadavion Clowney, who hasn't had a ton of postseason success. These guys are all driven, and I think, like, that combination. And I was looking at the rosters, just guys who have won the Super Bowl that, like, weren't on the 2012 Ravens. Like, you did have, obviously, Marshall Yonda and Justin Tucker and Sam Cooke were around. Uh, And I believe Bernal McPhee and Josh Bynes were back. But in terms of, like, guys who have won elsewhere, like Kyle Van Noy and even Odell Beckham, guys who have experienced what it takes, and, like, we've talked about Odell saying this is the best team. I just think that he's been on. I I think this is just, like, this team's just locked in and has a singular goal at this point. And... I'd be surprised if there's a letdown um, like there was when they were a pretty young team having pretty instant success. They've been through it. Those those other guys that aren't Lamar uh, and, and in Lamar, like, you know, they lose in 2020 in the divisional round. They lose that very annoying game to the Bengals last season. <laughs> uh, you know, there's still a lot of guys from those teams on this team, and I think they're driven by playoff success. So, I don't know, maybe that's corny, simplistic answer, but I, I think at the end of the day, that's kind of at least my hope of why things will be different. Obviously, it's no guarantee they'll win. They could lose. <laughs> Every team can lose in the NFL. But uh, I do think it, it, the vibes feel different, at least to me, like – they just seem very locked in and, and focused sort of on the, on the postseason. So I'd be surprised if there's a letdown. 
Yeah, that's that's some nice positivity. Uh, boy, just wait till next week to hear the three of us when we know what the matchup is. Yeah, Let's when they're playing to... the Browns, and I'll say this is the worst <laughs> thing that could possibly ever have happened. <laughs> Why? Uh, let's go to our picks. Um, I was one and two last week, twenty three and thirty one on the season. It's it's been a it's been a grind uh, to say the least. But a few picks this week, uh, starting with my favorite, and that's Cowboys minus seven and a half. I just think it's too much offense. I think that game gets out of hand. Love is in a throw 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 mode that generates turnovers, generates sacks, uh, and I think they end up controlling that game. Uh, my second pick is Browns minus two and a half. I've kind of touched on it little by little uh, as this episode has gone on. You have Joe Flacco with a ridiculous amount of playoff experience. He is not going to care that he is playing a road playoff game. Uh, on the other side, you have a rookie head coach, rookie QB. That stuff matters. They make mistakes. They're not used to the stakes rising and the pressure rising because um, they just haven't really experienced it. And that Browns defense, I think, is, is going to maybe be be the difference. But that only being two and a half, this should be three and a half to me. The Browns, if they tried in their last game, would have been a 12-win team. Uh, and they're getting less than a field goal against the 10-7 and seven Texans, uh, who essentially snuck in thanks to the Jaguars, um, at least for the for the division and hosting, hosting a playoff game. So I'm going Browns, minus two and a half. And my third pick, you can't stop me. It's Eagles, minus two and a half. I just, I've seen, well, I get it. I get it. They have lost five of six games. But I've seen too much of these Bucks to believe that they're going to win a playoff game against a team with all sorts of playoff pedigree. Uh, And the Bucks cannot run the ball. They can't run the ball. And number two, they don't really have... Like, the, the whole thing, not the whole thing, but a major issue with the Eagles is, oh, their linebackers are bad, they can't cover anybody. The Bucks don't really have, I think, <laughs> the personnel to take advantage of that. Their tight end is Cade Otten. Cool. He'll get you three, four <laughs> catches uh, and six yards per catch. Um, Mike Evans is, like, the, the deep, straight-line guy. And then it's Godwin is, like, the guy. So can they handle Godwin a little bit? And they're kind of going to be, I think they'll be in okay shape. Bucks cannot run the ball. It's Baker Mayfield, who's looked terrible for stretches. I think the Eagles kind of do the, like, almost like the last stand kind of thing. Like, guys, look, we know we've, we've stunk the last month here. It's the playoffs. We're the NFC champ. We're going against this bad NFC South team. And, again, it's less than a field goal. I'm taking it, and we can, t- we can talk all about it next week. It's Eagles, minus two and a half. I've been burned too many times. I don't. I, I. I agree. If I hadn't just been torched by the Eagles all season, I will say a little disrespect to Mike Evans. There, seventy-nine catches, twelve hundred yards, and thirteen touchdowns this year. He ain't just a straight. Like literally, has never not had a thousand yards in a season. Like, I think a little bit of disrespect there, but that's. The, I get it. Baker Mayfield's throwing to him, so it can't be too bad. Um, I also <laughs> went one and two last week after a strong start. I'm now twenty-six and twenty-three on the year, so still over five hundred, but. Um, Gotta 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 improve here. Um, I'll go quickly with some of mine. Chiefs minus three and a half. I was interested by just as we were talking. If it was two and a half, I think I'd be all over it again. Even though I'm the one who just said I keep betting on the Chiefs and they keep losing me money. But something like it, this could just be a game where they just you know kill off the Dolphins. The the Simpson meme like stop stop he's already dead and they're just they're just pounding it. Um, I'm going Steelers plus ten. 
I'm going Steelers plus 10. I just think I think the Bills have blown out a lot of teams this year. The Bills absolutely are capable of blowing out a TJ Wattless Bills. But the Steelers are also more than capable of making this soup stupid and ugly and like a seven-point game. So I think double digits, I think Mike Tomlin, double-digit dog, is money in the bank at that point. So I'm taking that. Um, I talked about it a little bit. I'm taking Rams plus three and a half as well, uh, as well away to Detroit. Um, it would just be the most Detroit thing ever to totally Detroit this and lose to Matt Stafford and <laughs> a, a veteran well, I should say a veteran quarterback and a coach that's been there. The defense is all young guys, and obviously Puka Nakua, Kyron Williams, all younger. But I think the Rams plus three and a half, and I think no Sam Laporta for the or for the Lions, excuse me, is just such a miss. He's been a revelation this year. Already one of the best tight ends in the league. Excuse me, and just missing him to injury, I think, is is so harsh for a Lions team that's had a great year. And then I got no reasons for this one. <laughs> but I've teased it a little bit during this show, and I just I got a gut feeling, and maybe it's me getting all hyped in the in the all the talk that's happening on the talk shows that I don't watch because I value my time. But then you see them clipped out on social media of how many quarterbacks would you take over C.J. Stroud right now? How many would you take? I'm taking the Texans plus two and a half at home to the Cleveland Browns. I just think. I almost want to take it money line, although I could see it being like twenty one twenty and and I get you know they lose, but i get I get it because of the the cover anyway. I think c j Stroud might be like another dude that we're talking about, like we talk about Joe Burrow and we talk about Lamar Jackson, and we talk about like in the next couple of years, maybe even next year we could be seeing that i think I think they're hungry. You could argue that they've already kind of won their Super Bowl, that's fine, but I think for a team like the Browns, I've just seen enough stinkers, man. Like I know, I know they've been rolling recently. I, I mentioned the Joe Flacco stuff. Antonio pushed back correctly, but like I could see, yeah, it's two picks that they recover from. But how do they recover from the blindside fumble with a minute left when they're down ten? Like that, that type of thing could happen. Um, I think weirdly, I think them resting guys right as their momentum was kind of kicking in, hurts them more than like a Ravens team in a weird way. Maybe maybe I'll come back to eat my words on that. I don't know. Again, this is purely a gut pick, and maybe some of that gut is also like, I don't want to play the Cleveland Browns in the next <laughs> round. So maybe that's subconsciously influencing a little bit. I swear that's not what I'm like consciously thinking about this. Something about that Texans game, I don't know what it is, and I could be completely wrong, but I just – I. I like it for whatever reason. Um, also, I'm, make, I'm putting a gut pick here because I don't love some of the other stuff on the board. So give me uh, give me Rams plus 3.5, Steelers plus 10, and all underdogs. Ugh, Texans <laughs> plus 2.5 at home to the Cleveland Browns. Uh, Tim, I am joining you on the Steelers plus 10 uh, bandwagon. The Steelers have treated me very well this season, including last week, I should say. Another 3-0 week for your boy. I, I don't know hey. what... You know, I, I recovered from my 0-3 Christmas for two two straight 3-0 and weeks. Uh, did not make any money on this in real life, so that's good. <laughs> but uh, uh, I do think the Bills win, but 10 just is kind of – that number jumped out. I was very surprised to see it that high. I, I didn't see – I just don't think the Bills are that much better than the Steelers. I still think the Bills will win, but, uh, yeah, I think you have to go with the Steelers plus 10 in a playoff game. Uh, but then I'm also with you, Antonio, on Cowboys minus seven and a half. I think 
Um, I think the Packers have a great season, but I just think on that home turf, they seem fast. They blow teams out. Um, and I, I think the Packers defense just isn't good enough. Um, how we've seen, you know, we mentioned, we mentioned Baker, how we, how bad he's looked. Uh, I got tricked into the bucks because Baker put up a perfect QB rating on the Packers at Lambeau field. It's just not a good defense. Uh, and, and I think Dak's going to pick them apart. Um, but then uh, the last pick, we're going head to head, Tim. I, I'm following my heart. Uh, what I want, what I want to happen. I'm picking the Lions minus three and a half against the Rams. I just, I, they literally have not won a playoff game in my lifetime. <laughs> I, I just kind of want them to, you know, it's Detroit sports are a down about as bad as possible. The Pistons have three wins right now. Uh, they haven't won a playoff game since 2008. The Red Wings have not made the playoffs since 2016. The Tigers are tied for the longest playoff drought right now. They have nothing but the Lions, which is a very sad statement in and of itself uh, if, if your hopes are riding with, with the Lions. But I, I hope they win. It would just be fun. And, and you know... Stafford has a Super Bowl. He already got away and won. Does does he have to twist the knife and go in and beat this team in their first home playoff game in 30 years? It just it seems unfair. I I'm not certain it'll happen. I see the very uh, I think good reasons for picking the Rams. I think they're a solid team. I think Stafford's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFC certainly. Um, but I just want the Lions to win, so I'm just picking them uh, minus three and a half here. All right, those are our picks, uh, and that's our episode, guys. We'll have an episode come out uh, next week uh, on the regular day on Tuesday, but it'll probably come out, well, very definitely come out later in the day because we're going to be recording it likely on Tuesday because of that Monday night playoff game. We want to we want to bring you all the all the recaps uh, of the full playoff slate, so please look out for that coming in Tuesday night, Tuesday evening. Um, and that's going to do it for us. No Ravens game this week, guys. One final time, it's because we're the one seed, and we deserved it uh, by being the best team in the AFC and the best team in the National Football League. For Jace Evans and Tim Horsey, I am Antonio Barbera. We will be back next week to preview with gritted teeth uh, a Ravens divisional playoff game. It's exciting times uh, in Raven land. Thank you so much for listening to us on Pod Like a Raven. We will see you next week. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.